you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. As we near the end of 2020, it's clear that this year will be known mainly for the worldwide pandemic of COVID-19. Of course, in America, we've also had social justice riots and one of the most contentious presidential elections of all time. But in the background, overshadowing everything else has been the untold suffering brought on by the novel coronavirus. It has changed life as we know it. According to some experts, many of these changes are here to stay. Of all the lessons that we have been taught and learned by a wide variety of voices, the greatest one in my mind is the choice between safety and freedom. Do we want to live in a world where safety is the highest priority or one where freedom is still the highest priority? This has played out in just about every country in the world. Understandably, the battle between safety and freedom has been even more fierce here in America since we are a country built on freedom with people who cherish freedom. At the same time, our human impulse is also to be safe to be healthy, to avoid suffering as much as we can. So most people, even freedom-loving Americans, have chosen to follow the public health rules, at least most of them, and attempt to stay safe from the virus. Now, I'm not going to go any deeper into the weeds of our personal and national response to COVID-19, since it's not really the point of this podcast series. I just want to use it to illustrate a general issue that is always before us, the problem of the avoidance of suffering. Yes, I know that any reasonable person would love to avoid suffering, and I'm at the head of that class for sure. The real question is, how far are we willing to go to avoid suffering? Consider these possibilities and see if they fit your experience. Christians are promised to suffer persecution. Do we avoid it by rarely putting our faith on display, especially in any public arena? Or the Bible says that our bodies will age and waste away. Do we avoid this suffering by spending large amounts of money and time and energy on our physical health? Or we will suffer in relationships since they are messy Do we avoid this sort of suffering by playing it safe and having fewer relationships? Or we will suffer grief, sadness, and loss. Do we avoid this type of suffering by drugging ourselves or denying the problems that need to be solved? Think about how big this idol of safety from all suffering may be in your life. We'll return to this question several times as we continue with our lessons on the problem of suffering. In this episode, we'll go straight to our greatest example of human suffering. No, it's not Job, not Joseph, not you and me either. It is our Lord Jesus Christ.
So now we move on to look at the full range of suffering which Jesus Christ experienced. This will include a discussion on how Jesus responded to the theological problem of the evil of suffering, as well as how he dealt with his own pain and sufferings. Just think about that for a moment. We will see that Jesus didn't just teach a series of podcasts on the problem of suffering. He didn't just theorize or theologize about it. Jesus lived out the problem of suffering. These next two episodes on the sufferings of Jesus Christ will be the most important lessons of the entire season. As Christians, we'll learn the most about the meaning of suffering and an example of how to handle suffering by looking to our Savior and Lord Jesus. Any book on suffering that does not deal with Jesus is utterly deficient. Sadly, the classic book that I've referred to many times, When Bad Things Happen to Good People by our friend Rabbi Kushner, fails to examine the sufferings of Jesus at all. How ironic is that since the title of his book can apply to Jesus alone, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. So let's dive in and dig deep into our subject matter. We'll begin with understanding the sufferings of Jesus Christ. So in good logic format, let's state the problem, and maybe the series of problems. First, how does the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross relate to our experience of suffering? Was it a martyr's death, merely a show of divine love, or some kind of personal identification with the suffering of mankind? And does the uniqueness of Jesus Christ as God in the flesh remove his response to pain and suffering from us? Or is he an example of how to deal with our own pain and afflictions? So let's look at the issues involved. In order to understand the meaning of the death of Christ and its significance in our struggle with evil, we must have a working knowledge of the person of Christ incarnate. Now, that might sound like Christianity 101, but let's be clear on what we know to be true about the person of Christ as it relates to the problem of suffering. First, Jesus Christ suffered as fully God and fully perfect man. This perfect unity uniquely qualified him to solve the problem of evil. Second, God in the person of Christ chose to enter into our fallen world and suffer with us and for us. He did this out of his unsurpassed love for the world. As we read in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Then there's this third major truth. Jesus in his perfect sinless humanity experienced pain and suffering He voluntarily accepted the limitations and afflictions that come with genuine humanity. Jesus possessed a real human body. He was not a phantom or a superhero. Jesus possessed the immaterial aspect of humanity as well, namely soul and spirit. Just a couple of verses to affirm and confirm this fact. Listen to Matthew 26, 38. Then Jesus said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Then there's Luke 23, verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And having said this, he breathed his last. So there was limitations in his soul and spirit, but there were other ones as well. Remember, Jesus experienced hunger, thirst, weariness, and deep sorrow. And then there's a final point, a final truth on the person of Christ. Here it is. It was necessary for Jesus Christ to take upon himself genuine humanity in order that he might die for sinners and be a merciful and faithful high priest. Theologian Miller J. Erickson writes this, If Jesus was truly one of us, experiencing all the temptations and trials of human existence, then he is able to understand and empathize with us in our struggles as humans. So let's move on to then the biblical revelation of Jesus's experience of suffering. We can confidently believe that Jesus is the model of someone who suffered perfectly. Who else can we learn from or should we learn from about the problem of suffering? So let's think about it. First, in the sense of the completeness of the sufferings of Jesus. Now stop and think about this reality. He is the only person who has ever suffered who can say, I don't deserve it. How many times have you thought or even said these words out loud? From early childhood, we are deceived into believing that we don't truly deserve whatever sufferings we have to endure. We think we are good or at least better than others. This forms the foundation for a wrong response to suffering, unfortunately. But Jesus can rightly say these words, I don't deserve it, because he didn't deserve any of it. And yet, he willingly suffered the full range of human sufferings. So let's detail all of that suffering together. First, let's put it in the category of the sufferings of Jesus in his life that he lived on earth. Jesus suffered temptation. We read in Matthew 4 of Jesus' temptations in the wilderness by the devil. Jesus had to suffer through the attempts of Satan to turn him aside from the Father's will. The temptations of Jesus brought great pressure to bear on him mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Just think for a moment how Satan tempted Jesus. He tried to use the suffering of hunger against him. Jesus was tempted to receive rulership from Satan. Then he was tempted to throw himself down and have the angels save him. Of course, Jesus was tempted to sin throughout his life on earth, but the temptations over those 40 days were the most concentrated attack of Satan. Now, there are those of you out there that may not believe that Jesus truly suffered temptation. Sure, he was tempted, but this was not real temptation or real suffering from temptation. Well, this conclusion is drawn by reasoning that since Jesus could not have sinned, all his temptations were not real or not really hard. It was like lobbing a softball to a perfect hitter, easy to hit the ball out of the park. So let's think about this challenge to the sufferings of Jesus for a moment with the question, could Jesus have sinned? That's always a challenging question, but let's work with what we know. First, we know that Jesus did not possess a sinful nature. 
So that means Jesus never desired to sin, never wanted to sin like we do. On that basis alone, some theologians believe that he could not have sinned. Yet again, wouldn't that make his temptation a sham or just a show? Other theologians believe Jesus possessed the ability to sin just like Adam and Eve did before they fell. That's why Jesus had to be tempted by an outside source, Satan, because he had no inside source, no sinful desires. Well, whatever is the full truth of this mystery, we have to believe that Jesus felt the full force of sin. These temptations were not just some easy thing for Jesus to conquer. He suffered temptation, but he overcame it. He was the victor over all of his temptations to sin. So next, Jesus suffered rejection, abandonment, and betrayal. He suffered at the hands of sinful people, just like you and I do. Now, what are some of those examples? Well, in John 7, verses 1 through 5, we see that he suffered at the hands of his family. Let's read it. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. His own brothers didn't believe in Jesus. Well, second, he suffered at the hands of the disciples. We see that in many places. Let's just mention a few. Matthew 26, 56 reads, But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. They didn't understand Jesus either. They rejected him. Of course, there's Peter in Luke 22, 54, who denied him. There's Judas in John 13, who betrayed him. There is Jesus' hometown in Luke 4, who reacted in such anger, they all tried to kill him, accusing him of being crazy. Then there was the nation of Israel. So the circle keeps getting bigger. He suffered bitter opposition from the religious establishment in Matthew 27, 41 to 43, we read. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. So Jesus knows what it is to suffer in relationships. He knows what it means to have people who want to hurt him, abuse him, even kill him. Well, then next, Jesus suffered physical pain in ministry on behalf of others. Yes, we know he was hungry, thirsty, tired, but all of these things he was from ministry. Ministry literally wore him out. And then we know that Jesus suffered grief and sadness. John 11 shows us how he wept for Lazarus. Even though he raised Lazarus later, he was struck with full human sorrow. And then we know that Jesus even suffered in the struggle to accept his sufferings in this life. Does that sound familiar to you? You remember what these last hours of his life were like before he was crucified. 
But listen to them again in Luke 22, verses 39 to 46. Coming out, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Jesus suffered before even going to the cross. He suffered in agony. He wanted to avoid the cross. The revulsion of having to bear the wrath of the Father for the sins of the world caused Jesus the deepest possible human pain. Don't we also struggle to accept our suffering? But Jesus' sufferings were so much bigger than ours. Well, now let's move from the suffering Jesus endured in his life to the sufferings of Jesus in his death. Here we read and we know and we learn about the ultimate suffering, that Jesus felt pain at the deepest level. So let's walk through it together. First, Jesus suffered excruciating physical pain on the cross. Listen to Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 7. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Then there's this description from Matthew 27. Then he released from them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to, be, to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. So again, you've heard it, right? He was spat upon, punched, slapped. He was cruelly whipped and scourged. His head was lacerated. He was beaten about the head. He was crucified, the most painful death in his day. But we also know that this was not just about physical pain. Jesus suffered the wrath of God, the Father, for our sins. Several verses that demonstrate the depth of this sort of suffering. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 
For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amazing words. Jesus was made to be sin, and because of that was forsaken by God, the worst kind of suffering possible. But his suffering and death was a work of substitution. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. His suffering was also a work of redemption. 1 Peter 1, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but instead with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. His suffering was also a work of propitiation. That great word means to prevent or reduce the anger of, to win favor and appease. 1 John 2, verse 2, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And then last, his suffering and death was a work of reconciliation. Romans 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. As Christians, we have no idea what it's like to suffer under the wrath of God. But thankfully, Jesus did. Which brings us to our next truth. Jesus' suffering in death accomplished the death of death. We read this in Romans 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ dealt the fatal blow to evil, all evil, the evil of sin, the evil of suffering, and the evil of death. How did he do that? By paying the penalty of sin and death. Now, really, just stop and think about the ramifications of that. With the abolition of death comes the answer to the problem of suffering. Of course, as Christians, it doesn't mean our suffering is over, but it does direct us to our last point regarding the sufferings of Jesus in his death. Here it is. Jesus' suffering in death gives hope to our suffering and hope in our suffering. Listen very carefully to the words found in Romans 18 through 28. Some of these very familiar, but listen to them in a fresh way today. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. 
But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, but because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So in summation, what we learn from the Apostle Paul is, first, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ gives hope through the release from the penalty of sin. Second, the death and resurrection of Jesus gives hope through release from the power of sin. And then third, the death and resurrection of Jesus gives hope through release from the presence of sin and the promise of a redeemed creation. Christians are victors over suffering, never victims of our suffering or in our suffering. Well, this is a good place for us to stop for today. And hopefully you've heard that the biblical record is clear. Jesus suffered greatly in his life and in his death. In our next episode, we need to look at his teaching on suffering, as well as the overall example that he sets before us. So as I close today, I challenge you to think about the places in your life that you are suffering in right now. Whatever that suffering is, does Jesus also come to mind? Do you truly know that he suffered real suffering too? And that matters. Think about it this way. It always seems to help when you meet a person who has experienced the pain and suffering you have, a disease, a disability, or a disorder of some kind. That's why so many people love support groups. There's something deeply therapeutic when we realize we are not alone and someone has walked that walk too. Well, that's Jesus. And not only has he suffered in ways that connect to your suffering, he is your savior from and Lord over your suffering. Jesus is who you need when you are suffering. Keep him in the forefront of your heart and mind today. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.